0: give God a round of applause. Wow, man to be in his presence this morning. So good to be here today. We're so honored to have you with us here this morning. We're glad you guys are in the house. Uh, My house is crazy. Uh, We've got four grandchildren in the house this weekend. Uh, We kept them last night while they went all out to eat, and uh, we called them and said, you got to come home quick. But anyway, uh, it's all good, and we're glad you guys are here this morning, and Belen's happy to have all of her boys home finally, and so good stuff. Welcome to Connect Church. I'm Terry Pierce. Uh, I had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here, and we've been in a uh, sermon series going verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. We believe in the Bible at Connect Church. We believe that every word of this is applicable to your life and to give you not only eternal life but a better life here and now. And the simple subject matter that we uh, drilled down on as we did all the research and all of the study and through the theology of this book is that God has a plan. And we're going to be sharing with you all throughout this sermon series. It's probably going to last between 15 to 20 years. Uh, but we're going to share with you guys through this that God has a plan for your life. Uh, so here we are this morning. We land in this season talking about this plan today. That uh, How many of you guys enjoyed Thanksgiving? Anybody enjoyed Thanksgiving? Had a good time? All right, how many of you guys ate too much? All right, all right. We got some honest folks in here. And so ate too much turkey. How many of you, let's just be honest, how many of you have a problem with the bird? You didn't eat one sliver of that turkey meat. Anybody in here this morning? All right, yeah, we've got some. So y'all ham folks, Did y'all go for the ham? All right, went for the ham. You're not turkey, folks. Uh, I get it. Uh, Man, you know, just, uh, you know, you guys got problems with the bird. Maybe you relate to my little cousin, Carly. All right? Uh, I want to share with you a story about Carly. Uh, Here's my little cousin. Uh, She's in second grade, and their class project was, isn't she adorable, how to cook a turkey. And so their class project was was to go home and write instructions down on how to cook a turkey. And under this, this was her report, under ingredients, she has a little bit of an attitude. She says, first of all, ham. Under directions, she replies, uh, replace it with ham. Step one. Number two, throw the turkey away and then take the trash out. I love that, my cousin is intense, we're related. Step three, never buy it again, (laughs) amen. Can you imagine her future husband? All right, bless his heart. Number four, finally, uh, by ham. Very succinct, very clear. And then, finally, she tops it all off with a positive note. Enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner of ham. All right, anyway, uh, so maybe you're not a turkey fan. You're sort of like, you know, my cousin Carly. But the truth of the matter is, is that we probably all ate too much, whatever it was in the last few days, and you're going, "Oh, pastor, I cannot believe you're talking about gluttony on Thanksgiving. Don't worry, I'm not going there. Uh, so uh, I'd be a hypocrite. But anyway, so what is the first thing that you do after eating a huge turkey or ham Thanksgiving meal? what's the first thing that you all do? And there's a, there's a checklist here, and I know what some of y'all are thinking because we've got a diverse crowd in our congregation, and so, you know, the majority of y'all, we in Mississippi, boy, so what do we do after thinking? We watch football, we watch Dak and the Cowboy, all right, all right, anyway, so I got you down, so you're thinking, you know, that's the first thing we do is we're watching, you know, football, but that's not it, that's not what y'all do first. There's a whole nother group of you that are, you know, you're you. And so and you post it on social media, oh, we love, you know, our little Thanksgiving meal or our brunch and we just settle down with our coffee and we relax and we watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade and you know, and you're parade watchers and uh, I don't understand you. But then there's a third group of you that irritate me. And I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you flat out you bother me and i'm going to try my best to offend you right now and you all love for thanksgiving to come because you can't wait to settle down on thanksgiving evening And if you have direct tv to go to channel 312 and you're going to watch your hallmark movies and here's how it's going to be, and let me just tell you, here's, if you've watched one or 37,000 of them, here's what they all have. Little princess moves to town. She doesn't know anybody, and she's a beauty queen, and blah, 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 blah. And then Prince Charming moves in, and he owns a parcel of land, and they run into each other in an accident, and they fall in love, and then they live happily ever after gag. <laughs> Can I get a witness, fellas? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Ah, <laughs> it's my time, Amy. Anyway, right, so, I knew you were going to do that. Right, so here's the thing, here's the thing. Uh, y'all watch your little Hallmark, but that's not the first thing you do after Thanksgiving dinner, and you know how it's going to end. I don't get it. If you, by the way, Amy, if y'all want to watch your little Hallmark movies, try Die Hard, all right, I'm just saying, Chris. You want to watch Christmas movie? A true Christmas movie is Die Hard. Man, I'm telling you, Bruce Willis is blowing up all the Nagasaki building. I'm just telling you, he's shooting the whole thing up. Anyway, Merry Christmas. All right, sorry, that's terrible. It's not in my. All right, anyway, <laughs> I'll repent later. You guys know that was cool though. That was cool, wasn't it, don't it? So that was good. All right, anyway, only time I've ever been cool in my life. Just, all right, so let me stay focused. None of those things are what you do first. The very first thing that you do after all that food... Is you put on stretchy pants <laughs> you all know it we've all got our pair of stretchy pants whatever amen we got some we got some honest people shaking their heads you all got your stretchy pants some of us go get you know jeans that don't have a button and they just stretch anyway, uh, you you've got your stretchy pants you got out there you got comfortable after the big meal amen Neil. and so we got our stretchy pants on and we laid out in the chair and we you know women and all that so here is the ultimate stretchy pants model you can't do this without <laughs> Nacho Libre. <laughs> so, what are you laughing at, John? You could be. Anyway, uh, and so, so here we go the ultimate stretchy pants model. Uh, and uh, by the way, real quickly, because we've got to get this off the screen because we're a Christian church. <laughs> and I know some of you, all the women, are struggling right now with lust. <laughs> <laughs> so here <laughs> so and if you are counseling is offered so here all right let's take the screen down let's take the screen down so all right so so here's the thing this is to help your marriage all right because we believe in supporting all aspects of your Christian life so here's your assignment husbands do not send me the pics but I want you to put on your stretchy pants this afternoon for your wives, and I want you to do the whole model of Nacho right. You know, I'm just trying to get the romance going in your marriage, and so anyway, uh, so you guys put that on. That's just a freebie, you guys take that home with you. Well, I wanna to talk to you not about stretchy pants, but I do wanna remind you today that God is in a, his plan in the Gospel of Luke, and, and as we move through this, We're gonna see that God is constantly stretching us beyond our comfort zones. In the 30 years of my ministry, I have been blessed beyond measure, and I say this very sincerely, with leaders in this church, deacons, staff, and you all, who have stretched me. You've had a vision for the future. You realize we can't stay here. Our traditions will not reach the next generation for Christ. And forward thinkers like Jesus and you guys have allowed us to reap the The discipleship and the the growth and the spiritual growth and the numerical growth and the financial growth of our church is because we've had leaders like you guys that have stepped up and said, Jesus is stretching us. God wants to change our perspective on Christianity, on church, and our traditions. And God wants to show us what the Holy Spirit can do if we allow ourselves to be stretched beyond our comfort zones. And matter of fact, in a huge way, We're going to sort of blow your doors off with this whole concept today of Jesus wanting to stretch you. Here's what I want you to do. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. And we're going to finish out this book, this chapter, I'm sorry, this morning with this final paragraph. And here's the title I want you to write down in your sermon notes this morning. A Challenge to Stretch Yourself. I've been listening to a podcast by Jim Pupman. Uh, our church is a part of this relationship, the, uh, Discipleship Network, and uh, Jim Putman's one of our coaches that's helping us do discipleship at our church and had the privilege of being in his church this summer, meeting him, an and awesome guy. And he's written a new book, and it's called The Revolutionary Disciple. And um, the whole premise of his book, though, is and Jim is a very sarcastic guy. I love Jim Putman. He's he can be a little bit on the negative side and, and I love him for that. And Jim wanted to call the book, uh, and only Jim style and Terry Pierce style, he wanted to call the book the Death of Discipleship. And uh, you know, and it was just so cool. And the author and the publisher said, We're not gonna sell but three of those if you name it that. So they came up with a title, but but Jim still argues and gets mad over it, and he says, But I wanna I want I make the case in the book. And he said i make the case in the book the reason that we're not making disciples in churches the reason you all quit making disciples you don't follow through with discipleship the reason discipleship will die is simply one word and it's called pride we get too busy with ourselves we get too wrapped up in our lives we don't allow god to stretch us and say here's how you do discipleship some of you've never joined discipleship group because of pride You don't want anybody knowing about your life. You don't want to help anybody else. And and then some of you've quit because it's hard work and it didn't go like your little bubble world thought it should be. I'm telling you, pride is the death of discipleship because we don't allow God to stretch us. We want it comfortable. And look at me. You never find joy, and you're going to see this morning fun. In Jesus, until you let God stretch you, stretch you to beyond your comfort zone to where it's about Him. We're gonna come back to that song that Tanner and the group just sang and led us in. And so this morning, we're gonna see that Jesus challenges us to allow God to stretch us. And this is what discipleship looks like. You guys heard it right here, front and center, on this stage. This past Tuesday night, we had our largest harvest supper gathering that we've ever had in the history of our church and one of the most powerful. The testimonies that just rang one after another Tuesday night were so powerful right here in this building. Folks were sharing the commonality in all of their stories was simply this. At one point in our lives, we were so screwed up. We were so far away from God, we had decided that we grew up in religion, we grew up in a southern church, we knew what we're supposed to do, but we didn't do it right with pride. We did it our way. We jacked up our lives, we got off track, we got, some of us got, became alcoholics, some of us made horrible moral choices in our life. Uh, we went you know, from one relationship after another, and by the way, you listen to me this morning, whether you're single, teenagers, whatever you are this morning, whether you're thinking about having an affair in your marriage today, yeah, we're going there, whatever it is, I got news for you, what you're looking for is not in another relationship, what you're looking for is in the relationship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and clap. Thank you. By the way, y'all church people need to get on board. This couple that just got saved that had their lives jacked up, they keep clapping thinking, this is fun. Y'all need to remember what they did. They just got saved, and some of y'all need to enjoy it like they do. I'm just saying. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus changes everything. And so we lose our joy in having fun. Jesus is going to teach you how to have fun today we've lost it we're not supposed to use I almost I started to. (laughs) y'all know what I was thinking didn't you the fun word that starts with a letter you're not supposed to say in church so anyway we've lost sight of not being able we we can't use the fun word that was a close one all right still got my job babe all right here we go (laughs) let me get back to notes because I do better okay Mark Twain talks about this whole issue (laughs) I'm I'm sweating and scared all right Mark Twain talks about how that we don't know how to have fun in church and he criticizes us and he makes a valid point here's what he says having spent considerable time with good people (laughs) and only his wit and sarcasm a great writer my favorite he says I can understand why Jesus liked to be with tax collectors and sinners dang mark that's tough He says that you know that Christians don't really know how to have fun. I think that's a sad commentary. When the world has no desire to be around us, no wonder they're not flocking to our churches, no wonder the American church is dying, and literally dying before our very eyes, is maybe because we've lost our joy. And and Jesus yet has saved us, and sadly, and now listen to me this morning, we're gonna make the case, Jesus is gonna make the case, so don't email me, I'm just telling you, it's in the text. And, and, And Jesus is gonna make the case that we ought to be able to have fun. We ought, we ought to be able to enjoy relationships, and not just with Christians, I'm talking about with unsafe folks. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm with Jesus on this. There are some times that I would rather be around the unchurched and the ungodly than some of you all. Because we're so full of ourselves. You know what I find out with my unsafe friends? In this community, they don't judge me like some of y'all do. If I dare use, I use the word freaking or "or flipping or something in the first service, and you can just tell people putting their head down, man, he can't talk like that on our stage, blah, blah, blah. They get more worried that I occasionally that I every Sunday say something stupid that I shouldn't say and they get more bent out of shape that that comes out of my mouth than the fact that people are dying and going to heaven and hell they ain't won nobody to Christ in their whole lifetime but they're more worried that I say the word flipping. and I'm just telling you we Jesus knew how to love sinners and and that because you all don't judge Y'all are so screwed up, you already got your own set of problems, you just take me as you are. Maybe that's how we should treat each other in the church. Jesus hung out with sinners. Now listen to me, and I got a group of teenagers, and Andrew's getting nervous here, and he's going, you know, be careful what you're talking about. I'm saying, and I'm going to tell you today, and hear me today, and so I'm going to qualify this. Parents are like getting nervous, we're going to call the deacons. Jesus went to a party with unsaved people. It's gonna, you're getting ready to read it. And I'm not arguing that you guys need to go to a party with unsaved people as teenagers. But you need to love and be friends with at school the unsaved because they need the Jesus that you all have in your lives. You're not ready to handle the party situation yet in your maturity level but you need to love them. And we're gonna talk to you about more of that. But you know the rest of us, we need to hang out with unsaved people more. And I know the way I was raised in a fundamental Baptist Bible believing that the King James Version, that Jesus, you know, the only, and I know all of that stuff, but the truth of the matter is, that's just not Jesus. Jesus cared and had fun With lost people, he didn't participate in their sin. He didn't get drunk with them. He didn't smoke weed with them. He didn't get high with them. But he taught them that he cared for them in a non-judgmental attitude. And he said and went with them, I want to show you why you don't have to get drunk, why you don't have to get high, and why you can have more fun with me than those wrong things. Somebody say amen. Now, you, you tracking with me? Jesus was holy, but he had fun. All right, if you all don't believe me, let's read the Bible. Let's go see it. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said unto him, follow me. And in leaving everything, he rose and followed him, became a disciple. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, by the way, that word grumble is in every Baptist church uh, rules and, uh, and uh, regulations about how we're supposed to do church. It's in there. We know that word. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners they ask and Jesus answered them those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick i have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance and they said unto him the disciples of john they could you could just hear in the original language, and I hope that you're getting this, you could hear the conden, uh, the, the condescension, not condensation, condescension, of the disciples, uh, I mean of the Pharisees. They criticized Jesus. It makes me feel better, by the way, that the Pharisees criticized Jesus. Then, man, I'm willing to take it on the chin. That's good. All right, so, and they sent it to him, the disciples, and you could just hear it with their up Baptist tone. The disciples of Jesus fast often and offer prayers. And so the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said unto them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Drop the mic. Then the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from him, and then they will fast in those days. That's coming. We'll need fasting and prayer. I'm not against that. But now I'm with them. Celebrate. And he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on the old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the old, the new will not match the old. And one who puts new wine in old wineskins, if he does this, the new wine will burst, and the, and the skins will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put in fresh wineskins. And no one... After drinking the old wine new, for he says the old is good. Here's the story. Jesus sees Levi, a tax collector, and he comes to him, and he invites him to be a disciple. Now, when you and I read this story, we don't really grasp, James, how low-life, disgusting, vomitous mass, I hope you're getting the word picture here, that a tax collector was. In Jesus there do you really want to know how badly were Michael this is how the Jewish community viewed Levi and other people like him so if you were a tax collector in Jesus day Levi was here's your story you were a Jew who lived under the Roman government rule you hated the Roman government because you were a Jew in God's land he had promised you in Israel and now you had to answer not only were they in authority over you grant but you had to pay taxes to them and I'm not talking about just a little it was ungodly how they were ripping the Jewish people off in their own homeland now digging a little bit deeper into the uh, understanding the culture of the day a a tax collector who owned you would own your own property because he was a Jew now you and I have property around here if, uh, and a few of you get this, like Tim and Kathy Hallmark in our church, they live on a hill with like 18 generations have lived on their hill. Uh, there are off Auburn Road. And so they, they have that whole family thing of handing down the land. But most of us in today's culture don't understand that. If you were a Jew back in the day, Jonathan, you had probably owned that land for hundreds of years down throughout the generations, maybe even a thousand years, you had owned that land. So to become A tax collector you had to sell the family farm or the family province in Jerusalem or Galilee whatever it was you had to sell out your land and you had to go live in a government house on the edge of town that everybody had to pass in and out of it again and every time you did Daniel you had to pay a tax to this guy so now think about this if you became a Roman tax collector By Jewish background, everybody in town hated you. You had betrayed your own country. You had sold your own land. You had betrayed your own people by becoming a Roman tax collector. So now you had given up your rights to Jewish heritage, so they already hated you for that. Then to top it all off, you taxed them. You at, you made them pay ungodly amounts. And then to add one more layer uh, to insult, you stole off the top of that. The Roman government said, whatever extra you can get, then you keep for yourself. So, man, I'm telling you, when you say a tax collector was hated in the day, they betrayed their own homeland, even though they came from there. They taxed them, and then they lived in government housing. How in the world can I get you to relate to that? The only thing that I can help you with this morning to understand how despised they were is if you vote for somebody and put them in political office yikes that went over well so the truth of the matter is they were taxed they betrayed their own homeland these people were hated when I tell you these were socially outcast marginalized people it doesn't even fit into description and by the way here's the point Last Sunday, Jesus reached out to the physical, the physically marginalized in society, the lepers and the paralyzed. And today, we see that Jesus reaches out to the social outcast, the people that nobody wanted anything to do with. Are you sort of beginning to see a pattern here that's maybe a little different than how we've taught and done church? Jesus was stretching the religious community to the breaking point. They were so upset with Jesus because he just simply couldn't do it the way they've always done it. Why can't you get rich, good Jewish people to come to our church? We need them. Do you know one of the worst things I've ever heard as a pastor? And and I know what you all mean. But if you really think about it in light of this text in the Bible, don't get mad at me and don't email the board. One of the worst things that I've ever heard, and I've heard it here, and I still love you, but you need help. Is for people to say when new families would come to our church, especially back in the day. Man, we need that family. That family looks good. They look like they'd fit in here well. And I know what we mean when we say that. And you know, we don't say it out loud. A man, they're white. They look like they got money. And they look like us. I said it, and it's so unbiblical. And it is so not like Jesus. Jesus loved the outcast. He loved those on the margins. And so should we. And so should we. You're welcome here. You don't have to look like me. Praise God you don't. It's not funny. <laughs> it can look like you. All right. So here's the thing Jesus stretched their ideas and their values and you've got to ask the question this morning if Jesus were to hang out with you at your work if Jesus were go to work with you tomorrow if Jesus were go to school with you guys tomorrow if Jesus was to go and hang out with your family Did you, anybody else in here have any weird folks in your family gatherings this weekend? So, all right, Uh, most of mine's here today, so yay. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the truth of the matter is, is when you go to work tomorrow, who, if Jesus goes to work with you on the assembly line and you're manufacturing furniture tomorrow, who's Jesus gonna take to lunch during the break? If you're working downtown in a business office, who is Jesus gonna go hang out with at the break or at lunch? It's school tomorrow who's Jesus gonna go sit with in the lunchroom who's he gonna sit with let's start with the church if Jesus came in here this morning who's Jesus gonna hang out with who's the, who's the group of people that he wants to take across the street at the Mexican restaurant and when we get done in like 30 seconds uh, and, and, and uh, wh- wh- who's Jesus gonna take to lunch today And you're thinking, well, Jesus is going to start with the deacons and, you know, they're going to go with, have you met our deacons? Uh, well, Jesus is going to, you know, he's going to take the singers, you know, and say, I don't know. They, you know, they sound great, but, you know, have you met them? And so, uh, is Jesus going to take, you know, the, he's, uh, surely Jesus is going to take our connect group leaders. We've got 20 small group leaders, man, they're giving their lives, and we're meeting on homes, you know. Man, he's got to take connect group leaders, and, and there's no way he's taking the media guy. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so, uh, so uh, just say. but who's Jesus going to take to lunch? And you know how we Baptists think is he's gonna have this, you know, hierarchy lineage that he's gonna do with. I got a feeling Jesus is gonna pick some of you all. Because Jesus hung out with the socially marginalized, with those that weren't as well high-rated by the religious community. And if Jesus did that, what would he do at your work? There's that guy at your job. There's that gal at your job that she cusses all the time. You know that she's the lady that is, you know, you know. <laughs> that word almost came out too. Dang. And um, the kid at school that you swear has never taken a bath all year. <laughs> parents are looking around the room at their kids. Anyway, uh, uh, the, uh, th- there's the people that irritate the living fire out of you. And you know how we would have done it back in the day, Mark. Man, I'll tell you what. I just need you to pray for me, Pastor Terry, because there's these people that I work with that are just so ungodly. And, and you know, they don't you know, understand the Bible. And they just, they're very immodest and they're very blah, 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 blah. And that's who Jesus would have taken to lunch instead of you yeah it's got really quiet in here because jesus cares about heaven and hell he doesn't care what you look like he doesn't care even what you smell like but take a bath what, what jesus cares about is heaven and hell and he wants to stretch us how about we pray and say jesus that weirdo dude at work that nobody likes Maybe Jesus is wanting to lay on your heart, you know what, I'm going to say something to him. I'm going to just send out an olive branch. I'm going to be try to be nice to them because I think if Jesus went to work with you or went school with you, that's who he would reach out to. And aren't you thankful that he reached out to a lot of us weirdos? Aren't you thankful that he reached out to a lot of us that were the outcast? Aren't you thankful that he cleaned us up? And he made a difference in our life because he reached out to me. I have no business being on this flipping stage but because of Jesus, but because of Jesus. And so he wants to stretch us, guys. What does that look like in your life and mine? All right, real quickly, let me share with how you can have this happen in your life and mine. Number one, stretch yourself by moving closer to the unsaved. Stretch yourself by moving closer to the unsaved. Jesus cared about heaven and hell, and he reached out to the marginalized. Verse 31, and Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but for those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. That's his message. That's his purpose. Jesus stretches us by helping us remember to move closer to the unsaved. We have a guy in our church, a real good example of this, that went home to be with the Lord and I preached his funeral this week. He's one of the best examples I've ever seen. Most of you, or at least half of you in the church, probably have never met him. And praise God, his, his wife, his widow, is here this morning. And I'm so proud of Miss Cindy. And would you join with me in praying with her she gets through this season of her life, like so many others? So many of you are right there with her today because you've had this journey as well this year. I preached his funeral, and I said this at his funeral, and it was so much fun. His name was simply Bob Leach. But when I got the program to do the funeral, I had no idea that his official God given name was Robert Lawrence Leach. And as I shared with the congregation at his funeral, when Bob entered into heaven and he loved Jesus and he loved you all, when God, the Father, Son, read his name and said, Robert Lawrence Leach, you can enter into heaven. I don't know how it went down, and I'm not being sacrilegious, but I just picture old Bob, and if you knew him, you know exactly what I'm saying, old Bob just sort of hum-hoed and put his hands out there, and he goes, you know what, don't call me Robert, just call me Bob, <laughs> and, uh, and I picture that sort of the way it went down, because that's just who he was, and he was just that guy, and he loved you, and he loved people, it, and, and I said this at the funeral, I'm not saying anything differently, I'm saying online today for the whole world to hear, and everybody knows him, knows that this is true, Bob was just a weird dude. He was different. He went to his own drumbeat. Uh, he worked for Cockrell Banana. He'd call me every once in a while, Preacher, you come down here to the banana store. And I'd go down to the banana store and he'd give me a load of bananas and belinda, I'd come home and belinda say, where'd you get bananas? I went to Bob. Uh, anyway, and so he's just that guy and, and he just operated in his own world. He loved practical jokes. If you knew Bob well at all, he played a practical joke on you. He had a great, sense of humor he told bad jokes like the preacher uh, i'm just telling you amen kevin uh, he told bad jokes when when kevin first started dating shauna and he grew up mentoring kevin and and he met shauna at walmart bob in the middle of the aisle at walmart he was just this weird dude he stopped and prayed for shauna and goes you have no idea what you're getting into girl i'm just gonna pray over you uh, man, and i'm just telling you he was that guy that loved the outcast. Bob had fun with people. Bob loved on people. Bob joked with people. But Bob would always get around to telling you about Jesus. I think that's what our text is saying to us today. We need to have more fun. We need to learn how to laugh more. We need to quit being so stuck up and so worried about, oh, you know what we do in the Baptist church? We need to have a prayer meeting. Our country's going to hell, and we've got all this political drama, and we've got all of this. i got news for you. I've been around long enough. You know what? There ain't no politician's going to fix all this stuff. You know what we need to do? Is we need to know, I don't care how bad it gets. I can't even find a flipping car because there's none exists apparently since I had my wreck. Uh, I am frustrated just like you with the economy and everything that's going on. But who cares? Because when I get to heaven one day, I ain't going to need a car. I'm going to be able to walk with Jesus and go anywhere I want to go without a wreck. I'm just telling you, we need to live and have fun with Jesus and share the gospel As we do this, hang out with unsaved people. Number two, stretch yourself by being more loving like Jesus and less judgmental. Jesus says in the text over and over again, he gives us a story. I'm not going to take you back through it all. But he tells a story about putting a a new patch on old clothes or taking new wine and putting it into old wineskins and his argument is is that we've got to get past this thing of thinking that you know somehow that our traditions are what's going to save us and our family and our church listen to me discipleship is relational discipleship is relational the thing that i love about my d group is they bring me back to being less judgmental and more loving They remind me it's not about me. It's not about my rules. My discipleship groups, connect groups, my D groups, they remind me to be less judgmental. Who cares about the politics? Who cares about all the problems? Jesus loves you, Terry. Jesus loves you. Look what God is doing to your life. Shut up, big boy. Keep on living the faith. Keep on going, Chris, what you just shared with us Tuesday night. No matter whether you lose a baby, no matter whether your spouse dies, no matter you get a diagnosis with cancer, I'm telling you, that does not change the fact that Jesus loves you. And that should give you joy. He cares about you, Shelley and people care about you death cannot rob you guys of that miss Cindy God death cannot take that away you are loved you are loved by God in this church amen we have a reason to have joy in the midst of our pain he causes us to be less judgmental i think about this happened you know uh, this weekend Andrew, you know, said, hey, Dad, I know family's in, but, you know, I had enough of them. But anyway, no, he, uh, and he said, uh, I got a group of teenagers, the parents, you know, abandoned their you know, responsibilities, John and Shannon. Anyway, and uh, they'd given us tickets. And so, Sorry, just kidding, just kidding. And so uh, he said, uh, uh, he said uh, hey, can you take the kids and a group of teenagers to the egg bowl? And, you know, honestly, back in the day, you know, some of our folks would have said, you know, we don't want our youth pastor because of you know the Bible and whatever and our rules, we don't want our pastor, youth pastor, taking our kids to that ungodly heathen. There's a bunch of drunks in Starkville and Oxford, uh, and anyway, and, and so and and we don't want them being around that kind of influence. Do you know what the youth pastor of Connect Church did? He took a group of teenagers to the egg ball. But here's the thing. Our youth pastor's been discipling these kids. He's been pouring into these kids the truth. And I want my youth pastor to go have fun with these kids around ungodly people. Show them they don't have to get drunk. They don't have to get high. They can still go to a ball game. Have a good time even when they lose. And it doesn't matter because Jesus still loves them. We become a whole lot less judgmental. When we allow God to stretch us. And then finally, stretch yourself by developing a happy heart and have some fun. I don't know if you've ever wrote that down in your notes in a a Baptist church in your life. Stretch yourself by developing a happy heart and have some fun. Do you know the main criticism in this text that the Pharisees gave to Jesus Well, just look at verse 33. Let's go back over it. And they said unto him, The disciples of John fast often and offer offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, (laughs) they eat and drink. And Jesus said unto them, and he says, You understand that I'm here. I'm the bridegroom. I'm in their midst. And when the bridegroom is in your midst, you have a party. The reason we have a good time at Connect Church on Sunday is because we're in the presence of Almighty God. He is here, and He is worthy, and we have a good time in His house because He deserves the praise. He deserves the glory. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that got us through the hell we went through this week. He's the one that picked us up when we sinned, when we fell, and He loved us anyway in His mercy and grace to David. You screwed it up this week, but if you will confess, if you will repent and follow me, I got your back, buddy, and I'll help you get through it. And he does it over and over and over and over again. We need to learn to have a happy heart and have fun. Notice what Levi did. Levi immediately turned and followed Jesus. That is discipleship. Listen to me as I wrap all this up. You want to be happy? Then you need to repent. You need to understand. You want to be happy? Then you need to repent and follow Jesus. There's no shortcut in this process. He sold out. He left his old lifestyle. The text tells us by the wordings that it uses in the original language, he never went back to tax collecting, Tony. He turned and followed Jesus. The only way you get to heaven is to say enough with the old stuff. Enough with the wrong way. I repent and I'm following Jesus. That is discipleship. I'm going to follow him, I'm going to follow him. And when you do that, here's what Jesus wants to do in your heart, in your life. Pastor Rick Warren offers, and it's not mine, but these are great, and I just had to just had to steal them. Pastor Rick Warren offers some timely and biblical suggestions about how you and I can develop a happy heart and have some more fun in sharing the gospel like Jesus did. Number one, remember God is with you, in you, and for you. I'm going to preach this until you guys' ears bleed, but I'm not going to stop saying this until you guys get it. Every single day of my life, I pray this over my kids. I pray this over our staff. I pray this over you. Every day of my life, I begin my day in Ephesians 6 of spiritual armor, and I put on the breastplate, of his righteousness and what that simply means no matter how I think this morning No matter how I feel this morning, no matter what you all have said about my sermon, no matter what uh, I've got into with Belen about, no matter what the devil has told me I did wrong yesterday, what I did wrong last week, no matter what anybody, anything, any spirit says, it does not matter because Jesus Christ has covered me by the blood of the Lamb. I am saved. I am right with the Holy God. And everything else can go to hell because I'm just telling you, I'm right with Jesus Christ because of what he did for me Christ alone Christ alone and when you get that theology down in your life it's a game-changer you're not carrying the baggage you're not carrying the guilt but it gets better not only am I covered in his righteousness but because of the belt of truth and here's the truth is because of what Jesus did I'm walking today in fellowship in relationship discipleship relationship with the father the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Terry Pierce. What? I get to live every day of my life. Remember, God is with you, in you, and for you. You cannot have a bad day when you're walking with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it's all because Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. Somebody say amen. Folks, we need to start praying this into our lives. I'm telling you, It will make you happy. Number two, be grateful without grumbling. Is God doing anything in your life? We had a little meeting powwow with our kids over the weekend. and We don't get to see our grown kids very much because they live off. And um, and so I just asked them. We went around the room. What's something that God's doing in your life right now in this season of your life? I just want to know so I know how to pray for you. And I want you to share what's what's something that God's doing in your life. Discipleship. I'm still discipling my kids. They're grown. They got their own little group of kids. But my job is still to disciple my kids. I'll never give that up. What's God doing in your life? And then number two, went back around the room. What's something we could pray for you about? What are you struggling with? And how can we intercede for you to get closer to God? That was it. And then they prayed. Folks, we need to learn how to be grateful without grumbling. We need to quit griping and be thankful for what God's doing. Number three, keep your conscience clear. You want to be a happy person? and We need more happy Christians. And folks, Philippians 2.15, you need to keep, and this is what I love what Pastor Rick said, you need to keep short accounts with God. Y'all need to write that down. You need to keep short accounts with God. Where's Colton at? He's our financial person in our church. I got news for you. Any financial person sitting in the room today knows that you cannot stay in the red. If you operate your business, if you operate your life in the red, I'm telling you, eventually it's coming due and it's all going to crash. You listen to me? The reason some of you are not happy is because you keep living with sin. You cannot continue to live in the spiritual red. You have to let the debts be covered. And the only way to have the debts covered is to go back to Jesus and say, this is where I'm in debt. This is what I've done wrong. I need to be forgiven and have the account brought up to ledger. Somebody say amen. Keep short accounts with God. Number four, study God's word. You need to do a daily here journal. Connect Church loves you so much. We've made it so easy for you. Out on the guest services desk, We publish this every few weeks, is a daily Bible reading plan that our whole church is reading the Bible together through in a year. And you can get involved in that. Don't worry, well, I didn't get to start on time. Who cares? Start tomorrow. Just start where we're at tomorrow. Pick that up on your way out today. Folks, I cannot say it enough, enough, enough. Your day is not going to have the fun and the joy that you want to have until you begin your day with an extra 10 to 15 minutes. You can't short-circuit this. You can't beat this. You need 10 to 15 minutes with God in the morning, letting his word come into your life in your prayer time. He's going to give you the strength, and he's going to tell the devil where to go And he's going to bring a whole lot more peace and fun into your life study god's word number five is use your life to serve others what did god put you here for why do you exist you exist to make disciples who make disciples jesus gave you all one command there's one thing he said to do go and become a deacon Go sit on a pew. Give your 10% tithe. You know what he said? Go and make disciples who make disciples. You've got to serve others. You've got to serve others. I told my kids. After our little prayer time. I said, you know what the greatest joy after 30 years of ministry, guys? I said, it's not what I do on stage on Sunday morning. I love preaching, don't get me wrong. God's called me to do this. I'll preach till I drop. Can't afford not to. It's not setting church budgets. It's not going on missions trips. Do you know what I love about ministry at this point? Is I love my little small d group. It's in those moments with three or four other guys, just praying together, being encouraged. Every time I'm in a discipleship group meeting, God reminds me less of me, more of him. You guys have got to get in discipleship. It's what charges me up. I'm telling you, listen to me, the greatest thrill of why I'm still doing this gig after 30 years is not what I do on stage. It's not all the other stuff. My greatest thrill is my little d-group of pouring into some guys and then pouring into me. I learned how to have fun and enjoy Jesus, and he'll do the same in your heart, in your life. Would you stand with us this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge. We thank you for stretching us to move beyond where we're at. If there's one here that doesn't know you today, If there's church folks that need to come and say, God, I'm running back to you. You're calling me back to discipleship. You're calling me to stretch myself. Help me to reach out to the social outcast in my little world. Would you come this morning as we sing a verse of invitation and you let God stretch you? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.